We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is the Field of 68 Best Bets podcast and Best Bets live stream. We actually are going to have a good stream for you today because Jeff has managed to get himself to a hotel. Uh, he's sitting. I, I don't know if we're technically quarantined. You, I think you could leave and kind of bounce around and go do what you need to do. Uh, yeah, but no you are at a hotel. You're not in the airport right now. You're not sitting there with a mask on your phone. Everything all no. choppy. Um, and so what we're going to do, I think, is actually going to be pretty fun today. Uh, we're going to catch up a little bit with Jeff on um, the coaching carousel and talk to him a little bit about the vibe in Indy. Uh, but then we're going to spend one minute on every game for the playing games, for the East region, and for the, the West region. Um, one minute, quick preview, uh, betting breakdown, angles, okay. um, lines, all that kind of good stuff. So, Jeffrey, how you doing, man? How's Indy? Uh, it's good. I mean, you know, got in uh, – I took a pit stop on the way. Uh, we went to Hinkle yesterday afternoon when we when we came down, flew into Chicago, uh, picked up uh, my buddy Will here who's going to help me all week, uh, three weeks. Uh, from stadium uh, with everything because you know how good I am with technology. So he, he's got all that figured out, thankfully. And uh, we drove down to uh, Indy and s- stopped at Hinkle on the way, talked to the Butler staff for a while, and then got to the hotel, Residence Inn. Got a good two-bedroom suite here and uh, setting up in one room. So hopefully the setup will be better for tomorrow. I, I still got a few things to do. And then I uh, hit the grocery store and uh, stocked up a little bit in the fridge. So got a few things, not enough. Probably going to have to make another run today, but I uh, just got some stuff. So, uh, you know, it, it's dead here right now. I mean, there is nobody in Indy right now. We drove through da- downtown. And Indy's one of those cities where – have you been – you've been to a Final Four in Indy, have oh, you not? Two. Yeah. two. All right. So – like the weather is not as good. Like I don't. I wouldn't say Indy is as good as New Orleans or San Antonio. Um, you know, to me, those are probably the two best. I think, right? Am I forgetting one? Um, no, I think those are probably the two best. I actually think Indy is the best, but and I'll, I'll tell you after why. Where's Rob? Yeah, I, I know why. Well, here, here's why. Here's why is because in New Orleans you have a million people. And, and you don't run into everybody in New Orleans because just the setup and there's so many places and whatnot. In Indy, the beauty of Indy is it's like a five-block radius where everybody is there in downtown. Like everybody, there's a million hotels. Um, everybody congregates in the same place. 
In a lot of the other cities, that's not the case. You know, Houston, terrible to me layout. Dallas, terrible layout. Um, Indy is, is like that, where you just see everybody. And now you're, you're not going to see everybody. I mean, again, coaches aren't here. Normally, I get in. The day I fly in, Rob, is the day like every coach gets in, maybe on a Wednesday. I fly in in the afternoon, and the coaches start coming in. So you and I usually have a dinner with a group of coaches. And then Thursday, like all hell breaks loose. Every coach in America is here. Yeah, so you go to the coaches' lobby. People don't know the the Final Four is like the biggest networking weekend uh, for all college basketball coaches, college basketball media. Like that's where all the deals get done. That's where assistant coach make, uh, coaches make their moves. That's how you find a new job. Like all of that stuff happens at the Final Four. So like when you say um, when 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 we fly in on Wednesday. Part of the reason is because we have like media availabilities on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, get all your stuff done right for the week. But it's also because Wednesday through Friday night are the nights when you have the events, you have the, the networking places, you have like the Adidas party, you have the pump party, and you have all these places where you can go out and you can like meet the coaches, get to know people in the industry. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 very, very important to be able to, to be at some of those events and see people and shake hands. It's just weird, Rob, because, you know, normally, again, we're looking at the media schedule, going over there, going to all the press conferences, um, and you only have eight teams. You know, and I usually bounce around. I'm, I'm usually not staying in one place ever. You know, I'm unpacking to, to pack again the next morning. And uh, here it's I'm unpacking for when I checked in. She's like, uh, Jeff Goodman, 21 days, 21 nights. I'm like, oh, my God, 21 nights. I've never been gone 21 nights straight before. Uh, you know, without my family. So, it, it, yeah, it's a little different. It's a lot different. And, I've, you know, I talked to a bunch of coaches, called Nate Oates late last night and just kind of seeing what, what he's up to right now. And, and like, you can't see anybody. You know, you can't, you can't go over. I can't see Chris Beard or Nate Oates or any of these – Mark Few, Scott Drew, any of these guys that uh, normally I just honestly be able to go up to their hotel room and, and shoot the shit with them. And I can't do any of that. Yep. It's uh, it's always a weird vibe. I'm actually kind of glad that I'm not there. Um, yeah, we're, I don't think you're gonna miss much. Yeah, we're we're both gonna have the same level of access to, to right. players and the coaches and to, yep. to all the different things. Only I'm gonna be able to do it while sitting on my couch and drinking a beer while I watch games. So <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll do it well. Probably. I wonder if we can smuggle uh, beers in or, or not to the uh, to the, the various uh, venues. I don't know. I think you should try it. Just don't get banned. Don't get caught. <laughs> that's that's the yeah. big thing. Don't yeah. get caught. Um, all right. So, coaching carousel stuff. Uh, yesterday, after we went on the stream, as you predicted, Richard Pitino um, was announced as the new head coach in New Mexico. Um, and then yesterday, I think it was Larry Kristowiak, and something else happened. I can't remember why. Everything's kind of blurred together at this point. But is there anything new? Like, do we have any movement on what's happening in Indiana? Um, I Nothing in Indiana yet. Nothing. I haven't heard anything real in Indiana yet, other than you know they definitely want. They would prefer to to bring in somebody in the family if they could, but I, I just don't see anybody fitting that that bill at the end of the day. Um, you know, again, Scott Drew and, and Chris Beard had had not been contacted as of yesterday morning. Uh, I don't think anything's changed there, um, from what I'm told. So Utah, Larry Kruskoviak got, got hit last night. Um, you know, interesting job. You know, Craig Smith will be a candidate, I'm sure, at Utah State. 
I think you look at Porter Moser potentially, who coached with Majerus at Utah, uh, at St. Louis, I'm sorry. Um, I think you could see Alex Jensen, former Utah standout, who's now in the NBA. And uh, I actually had a long conversation with Danny Ainge yesterday on the drive from uh, from Chicago to Indy about that. Not Alex Jensen per se, but we we're talking about Michael Shrewsbury, a uh, little bit about Brad Stevens and, uh, and, and the – the rumor that was swirling about Brad Stevens going to Indiana, which that's not happening. well. Well, it's it's just interesting because again, Brad Stevens just signed a five-year extension a year ago, okay, with the Celtics, and I didn't know this, but these NBA coaches have different contracts. Brad Stevens can't just walk away from the Celtics contract and coach the Indiana Hoosiers, even if he wanted to. Like the, it's not like college where you can quit. And say, all right, I, I'm getting out. I'll pay the buyout, and, and I'm done, and I'm going to coach this team. That's not the way it is in the NBA. So even if he wanted to, um, could not go into college uh, unless he's fired by the Celtics. So um, I thought that was interesting. But well, I guess what I was getting at first is Danny Ainge was saying to me, like, why, why aren't more places looking at NBA assistant coaches? And I said, well, you know, part of it is, again, like, you know, NBA guys, a lot of them don't. He said, yeah, but it's not, it's not like – I'm not talking about the head coaches, the guys, you know, who have, who have made a ton of money. I'm talking about the guys who grind out in the NBA as assistant coaches that really know how to coach because they've watched the NBA, which is a different level, and they can go into college like Michael Shrewsbury can now, um, and, and, and he's been at Purdue the last couple of years, and he coached with Brad at Butler and whatnot, um, but kind of have a different uh, viewpoint watching the NBA as opposed to college. And I, I agree with it. You just got to find the right guy. So Alex Jensen, what I'm getting at, could be the right guy for Utah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I've always thought that if you're in the NBA, uh, it doesn't make sense to leave the NBA. You know, at a level where everything is all about basketball, going back down to a place where you have to, uh, like 25% of your job is about the actual basketball, it just doesn't seem really all that appealing to me. Yep. Um, yep. But – I'll tell you what, if there's everybody's got a price and there's a certain amount of money that you can make coaching college basketball. And if it's worth it to you to be able to deal with recruiting and boosters and AAU guys and handlers and all that kind of bullshit to uh, to make that level of money, then I think that, that you should you should do it. So, um, yeah, that's really all I got. You got anything else to add? Uh, what else happened yesterday? You know, it was a whirlwind for me, to be honest. Uh, anything else? I don't, I don't even. I don't, everything kind of blurred together, and it felt. Oh, T.J. Altsberger, T.J. Altsberger. Oh yeah, but know, that I, was the reason they got rid of It's like that was that was the worst kept secret in college basketball circles. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's I mean, been done. It real real quick, real quick before we move on to the actual betting stuff. Um, yeah. Can you remember a day on the carousel that was as crazy as Monday was? Like I, I don't think I can remember a day where that much. It, it felt like Black Monday. In, uh, no, there, there have the been, Rod. Trust me, there have been. That many big jobs all popping one after one oh, after yeah. one. Yeah, years ago. When I when I first started, you know, really breaking stuff, like in early, like 2010, 11, there were days like that, absolutely, that were just insane, one after the other, and more to it as well. Like, you know, a couple big ones and then a bunch of small ones. Uh, guys getting hired, fired. Um yeah, they, there have been. We just don't – I can't remember which day it was, like, and who it was. But it used to happen 
you know, I don't want to say fairly consistently, but there was always a day like that. It just felt notable because of how many big names popped. You know why? You know why it was notable? It's because social media is at a different level now than it was 10 years ago. Yeah, I guess. But I I mean, still, it wasn't, it's not just that. It's like, so you have Indiana go and you have Minnesota go and then you have Penn State get filled and you have Boston College get filled. And it's like all of the, everything that we were waiting for, like those are the things that were lined up for the course of like what? two weeks while we were waiting for all of this stuff to happen. And then all of a sudden it all crescendos and happens on the same day. That's probably why it felt so, so crazy. Yeah. And, so, no, and we don't have an official answer on anything happening at Arizona yet. So <laughs> that's always fun. Yeah, no, nothing's going to happen in Arizona. I mean, it's like a standoff at Arizona. It's kind of what it is. It's a standoff right now between the president uh, and the money people. And uh, the money people have more power than the president. Wow, that's always fun when that happens, right? All right, so uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go through every playing game, and then we're going to go through all the games in the East region today and the West region today, and just one-minute breakdowns. I'm going to set a timer on my phone, uh, and we'll we'll just talk about the games and and, um, what we like, what we don't like, places that we like to bet, places we don't want to bet. So um, we'll start with Goodman. How prepared are you for this one? Texas Southern against Mount St. Mary's in the 16 versus 16 playing game. That line is a pick on the totals 133 and go. So that line was uh, two with the fighting Johnny Joneses. So it's come down. A lot of people obviously like Dan Egelstad and the Mount St. Mary's uh, group. Um, listen to me again, I think Texas Southern is just more talented. They got a ton of transfers um, and I think their talent level and in a game like this, where they're going to be geeked up, right? Like that kind of the same thing with LSU. Like you don't know how some of these kids are going to prepare and, and if they're going to be ready. But I think in a game like this, I would go Texas Southern and take the talent. I, I like I like Mount St. Mary's here. And yeah. I understand they have all that talent, but they are tough. They are physical. They're one of the best uh, low major defenses that you're going to find. Uh, they got a point guard named Damian Chonqui who can really get after it. He carried them through the NEC tournament. They have size inside, um, and they're one of like, the few mid-majors that wins by trying to make games ugly. So I'm just going to bet on the team that's going to be physical, that's going to be tougher, uh, and that's going to have the better point guard play. I'll be right back. Give me that's it. There's the buzzer. There's the buzzer. All right. There's the buzzer? I didn't yep. know you were putting a buzzer on. Wow, look at you. Yep. All right, so next one we got. Drake versus Wichita State. Drake is laying a point and a half. The total there is 141. Uh, that line has actually shifted almost, I think, three and a half points now uh, with the news that Tank Hemphill is going to be back. Um, Darren DeVries is saying, saying that um, he's going to be at 100%. I don't know if I fully buy that. Of course you don't buy it. He no. broke his foot. He broke his foot. Like, come on. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just – Drake's lost two starters recently. Um, Wichita's not great. But I feel like they're the clear favorite in this one. They're the clear. What did you say? It's down to what? It's Drake's laying a point and a half. So Wichita State's getting points. I really like Wichita, man. Really. Okay. So we're we're, we're two two out of two for, for being on the opposite side. of the You know game. why? You know why I like Wichita? Why is that? Poor Bear is back. Oh, yeah. Poor Bear Chandler is back. So and- I, like, I like Drake here. Um for a couple of reasons. One, I think that the uh, point guard, uh, jo- what's his name, Joseph Yasufu, I don't know if I'm yeah. pronouncing that right, has been really good in, uh, in Roman Penn's absence. 
Um, and I think that Wichita State's just a little overvalued. They're, everything is, is kind of based off of the fact that they got that win over Houston. Uh, beyond that, they're 10-1 in close games. They won a couple of overtime games. They got blown out in a must-win against Cincinnati in the AAC tournament. Yeah. All right. That's it. All right. That's it. Couldn't even talk. You, you, you just dominated the whole minute. No, you said you love Wichita State. I, I talked for 25 seconds on that one. All right, next up. Appalachian State is laying three points against Norfolk State. The total there is 133.5. Jeffrey, go. I, listen, I mean, to me, again, in, in, in a game like this, I would say uh, Norfolk State's been there before, which gives them uh, a little bit of an advantage. Um, Robert Jones has done a good job with that team. Uh, they got a really good uh, player, point guard, and Devontae Carter. Uh, he's kind of the, the, the guy who runs that team. Um, you know, Bryant can go for 30 on any given day. I, I don't, you know, listen, I don't have a great feel for this. I know Dustin Kearns has done an unbelievable job and he was on the pod. So I guess I'll take Dustin Kearns and App State. So I think that I, I would just take Norfolk State because of the points. I think that this, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of a pick em. I actually like the under here, though. Neither of these offenses are great. They both rank outside the top 200 nationally. Yeah. Uh, App State shoots a ton of threes, and they shoot 32% from three. Uh, Norfolk State shoots well. They don't shoot all that great from three, and they don't give up a lot of fouls. But time to move on. Um, Next up, UCLA, Michigan State. Michigan State's laying two. The total is 135.5 there. Jeffrey, tell me why I shouldn't put all my chips in on Michigan State here. Because they don't have a point guard. You can put some chips in, but don't put them all in on Michigan State. They don't have a point guard. So Tiger Campbell is the best point guard on the floor, and usually point guards are what determines uh, the winner of a game like this. So, listen, I'm still going Tom Izzo at the end of the day, but I I don't feel great about it. Like, I wouldn't put a lot of money on Michigan State over UCLA. I think it's a complete coin flip of a game. I'll go with the Spartans, but I don't feel great about it. I I actually – yeah, I like Michigan State here. Um, I think that they they win this game uh, by double digits, but – it's one of those things where you don't trust – I don't trust anything that Michigan State does at this point of the season. Hmm. Um, I think they'll have the best player on the floor with Aaron Henry. Uh, UCLA has not been great defensively. And at the end of the day, I just want to trust a team that is coming out of the Big Ten over a team that's coming out of the Pac-12, whose best yeah. player tore his ACL. Boom. Just under the buzzer. All right, so uh, the first game in the East would be Michigan against the playing game, so we're going to skip over that. And move straight to the most controversial game of the first round, Jeffrey. LSU against the Bonnies. LSU's laying two. That total is 144.5. What do you like there? I flipped on it. I'm going LSU. I'm going LSU just because I feel like, honestly, the talent level is significant. These guys are going to be up to play. Uh, Javante Smart, you know, a couple of them have some experience um, winning in the NCAA tournament, including Javante Smart. Uh, Watford's talented as hell. Um, we know what Cam Thomas can do. I just think it's going to be too much for for Mark Schmidt, who's a hell of a coach, to handle. I, I lean the same way. Um, the big thing with LSU that we've been saying all season long is are they going to show up and ready to play? Are they going to be motivated? Are they going to be interested in trying to win? And I think that since it's the NCAA tournament, they're going to show up motivated to play. Um, the X factor for me is going to be uh, St. Bonnie's um, big man, Asuna Suni. Uh, they don't really have any depth behind them. They basically play like six guys. And as good as right. he is defensively, if he gets into foul trouble, that's the kind of thing where it's like, well, I don't really know what they're going to do with the five spot there. 
So I'm with you. We agree on this one. LSU laying the two points. Boom. Just under the buzzer. All right, next up. Colorado laying five. That totals 138 uh, against Georgetown. Georgetown, the uh, the upstart Cinderella underdog, Georgetown Hoyas. Uh, What do you like here? Uh, Colorado. Colorado, I mean, the point guard situation, McKinley Wright, I absolutely love. Uh, They got some veterans on that team. You know, the Pac-12, they've just gone under the radar, and and the Pac-12 hasn't been good, and we know that. But I don't think the Big East has been great either. I mean, this is your Georgetown team that finished eighth in the league. They got some momentum, no doubt about it. Uh, I just think Colorado's got the better team, and I trust McKinley Wright uh, in this one and Tad Boyle. Yeah, you know, it doesn't feel comfortable going against a team that, that just ran through their conference tournament the way that Georgetown ran through the conference tournament. They're 10-4 since they came out of the uh, came out of the pause um, that they had in January. But I think you're right. I think Colorado was the play here. Um, what do we want out of teams in March? We want well-coached teams yeah. that can defend, that make free throws, and that have great point guard play. And that is exactly what Colorado is. And if you're telling me I can take that while also fading a team that only got hot in March in a league that is completely overrated. Give me the Buffaloes. Yep, I'm with you. All right, next up, uh, we have number four, Florida State, against number 13, UNC Greensboro, and Wes Miller, another uh, another friend of the program. Florida State is laying 10 and a half. The total there is 145. Jeffrey, you got a good feeling on this one? I, I got to tell you, in this whole region, I have, I have such a hard time figuring out who's going to come out of it. Um, I don't love Florida State like most people, but I don't think Greensboro is going to beat them. I don't love Florida State, but I don't know if Colorado – like, I'm taking Colorado out of that 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 part of the region. Not not because I love Colorado. I just think that's a weak group of, of four teams. So I'm going to take Florida State here over Greensboro because I think the one strength Florida State has is defensively having big, strong guards, athletic guards, to be able to throw at Isaiah Miller. And if you slow down Isaiah Miller – you beat you beat Greensboro. Yeah, I mean, they the, the problem is that this is kind of strength on strength. Like Greensboro wants to pressure you, try to force some turnovers to go out and play aggressive. And I just don't think that's going to work against a team that is significantly more athletic than them. The other problem, Isaiah Miller, he's awesome. He's athletic. He averages 19 of four, but he is six foot tall. And he can't really shoot that well. Yep. Boom. There it goes. Uh, next up would be BYU against the playing game. So we'll talk about that later. So let's go to Texas, laying eight and a half against Abilene Christian. The line there is 139 and a half. Jeff, do you have a great feel there? It's a hard one for me. You, you know my my love for Joe Golding in the Abilene Christian uh, program. He's done a great job for with it. They can really, really, really guard. But uh, yeah, they haven't in the, in the South. They haven't seen uh, a team like Texas. So uh, it, it, as close he is with Chris Beard. I don't think Chris Beard's going to be able to help him because Chris Beard can't give him Mac McClung. Uh, he can't give him um, some of the other players that he's got on his team that are, that are at a high level to beat Texas. So I'm, I'm taking Texas here. Texas the hip team right now. I'm looking around like everybody's picking him now to go to the Final Four. Well, we started that trend. So here's the thing about um, about Abilene. They're very similar to like the, the old school Brad Underwood defenses where they get out and they pressure, they overplay you, they force uh, – a nation's best turnovers on 26.7% of their opponent possessions. But a lot of that is because they're playing against Southland opponents uh, and going up with the Texas team that has Matt Coleman and Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey. I just, I think this is a really bad matchup. I would agree. All right. Next up, the UConn Huskies laying three 
against number 10 seed Maryland. That total is 130. Jeff, what do you like there? UConn. I'll go UConn. Uh, you know, that Morcel book night matchup is going to be awesome. Awesome. Yes. One of the best in, in the first round. Uh, a lot of NBA guys are looking forward to that one as well. Um, so I, I think book night to me, as long as he doesn't have one of those nights, and by meaning one of those nights, like a three for 15 shooting night, UConn's got enough around him that can pick up the slack, but he, he's got to have a good game against Marcel. I'm, I'm going to take UConn to cover there. Yeah, I think that you're probably right. I don't feel great about it, but at the end of the day, I'm going to take the team um, that was playing their best. Like, if UConn, UConn lost a three-point fist fight in the semifinals of the Big East tournament against a team that was a number five seed, whereas Maryland has lost three of the last four, including games at Penn State and Northwestern. I just don't trust the Terps. Um, but I just – like, this is the least comfortable I've been about taking UConn in a game in, in, in months since Book yep. was gone. Next up. We have Alabama and Iona. Alabama's laying 16 and a half. Uh, that total is 147. Jeff, what do you like? I'll take Rick, Rick Pitino to cover. I'm, they're not going to win, but, man, like if there's anybody that can figure out a way to keep it close enough to cover, it's going to be Rick Pitino. So uh, he'll muck it up. He'll muck it up enough. And, you know, Alabama, you just – again, you always wonder with Alabama, especially in this first game, are they going to come out just overconfident? They don't know who Rick Pitino is. They don't care who Rick Pitino is. Nate Oates does, and they'll prepare. But I, I feel like those Alabama players will come out a little bit uh, flat, and, and Primo's not going to play in this game. So uh, not that that matters that much. I mean, Alabama's still got way more talent in its bench than Iona's got, you know, among its starters. But I'll take Pitino to cover here. No, it's going to be Alabama. Um, okay. Iona played one game that's ranked in the Kempom Top 50 this season. Uh, that was against Seton Hall when they lost by 22. Alabama's got the nation's second-best defense, and Iona fouls people at the highest rate in the country. Alabama makes 72% of their free throws. Take the tide to cover. All right. Bam. Got that we one got. done. Next up, we got uh, Gonzaga against the playing. We're moving out west now, so we would have Gonzaga against the playing game, but we're not going to talk about that until we got a name for them. So Oklahoma against Missouri. Oklahoma's laying two. That total is 141. What do you like, Jeffrey? gone back and forth on this one a lot. I mean, these are two teams that are hard to figure. They both had their moments. Like, it looked really good at times this season and looked really bad at times this season. Um, I'm going Oklahoma just because I think they have better overall guard play. You know, they've got three guys that can really uh, complement each other in the backcourt. Um, but, again, Missouri, listen, Pinson's really good as a point guard. They're better up front. Uh, I just like guard play in the NCAA tournament. I think Oklahoma's got better guard play. Yeah, and I think that the you know guys like Devion Harmon can really get after um, yeah. after Missouri's guard. So I don't I don't like Missouri here. Um, I don't love Oklahoma to be frank, but yeah. it's just I don't of, either. I don't either. You got to you got to hold your nose and pick somebody here. So yep. Um, yep. is there any chance that either of these teams can can beat Gonzaga in the next round? Because I think no, but but they can give them a good twenty minutes. <laughs> There's a joke that I was about to say right there, but I'm not, I'm not going to say it. this is a family, all right, all right. family, family friendly program. Okay. Uh, all right, Creighton laying seven against UC Santa Barbara. That total is one thirty-seven point five. You got a good feel on this one, Jeff? Um, I go back and forth on it. I'm going UC Santa Barbara to cover here, uh, and and probably taking them on the money line. Um, just taking a shot here. You know, listen, we've talked about it. Joe Pasternak's team is is they're long. 
They're athletic. They're big. They're talented. They've got good point guard, Corey McLaughlin. They've got a really good big guy in Miles Norris. Amadou Sow's terrific. Like, talent-wise, they're not as far off as people think overall. Uh, so I'm going to take UC Santa Barbara certainly to cover here. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I just wish that the line was a little bit higher. Yeah. Uh, I feel like at seven, and that, it's moving towards Creighton too. Like, it, it was at six and a half, and now it's at seven. Right. Um, it just feels like it's a little bit low given how good we've seen Creighton be. Yep. Just so far this season, uh, but I, I don't want—I don't want any part of backing the Blue Jays at, at this point. I just—you know—we don't know what's going on in that locker room, how connected everybody is. So I'll probably be on UCSB here too. All right, next up we have uh, Virginia laying seven now. That line's all the way down to seven from ten and a half against Ohio. So let, let me phrase it like this: I know that you're going to be on Ohio here. Um, yeah. What number would this have to get to for you to be on Virginia? Uh, four, four, something like that. Five, you know, somewhere in that range. Just don't have confidence in a team that hasn't been able to practice in, in a week, you know, and, and it's going to be without at least one key player that we know of. And they keep it pretty close to the vest. So we don't know who else is going to miss this game. Potentially. We don't know who else got contact traced. I, I haven't really, again, last day I've been running. So I don't know what's come out from Tony Bennett, what he said, but, uh, yeah, they worry me. They worry me right now. And, man, even the ma- the matchup, Kihei Clark against Jason Preston, that worries me. Kihei Clark's 5'7", Jason Preston's 6'5". Kihei's going to have trouble with Jason Preston. Yeah, I- I'm, I'm, I'm not as worried about that. It's just the – it's the simple fact that Virginia hasn't been practicing, right? They're not going right. to get to the until Friday. Yeah. So, I, this, is, this is just such a tough matchup. I want, I'll, yeah. I, there's nothing that would make me want to be on Virginia. All right, next up uh, would be the USC playing game. Um, so we're going to move on past that and go to Kansas against Eastern Washington. We talked about this a little bit the other day. Uh, Kansas is laying 10 and a half. Um, is there anything that would make you want to be on Eastern Washington? Yeah, the fact that David McCormick hasn't practiced with the team, the fact that they're not going to have Jalen Wilson. There's plenty There's plenty that would lead you to believe that this is going to be a closer game than people think. It's not like Kansas is a team that, going to go out there and score right like i don't know where they're going to get 80 from right like i mean if i guess if Igbaji makes all his threes he's got to make six or seven threes and christian brown's got to make some shots too but i just feel like their margin for error is so small here i mean even though even talent overall is eastern washington going to be completely overwhelmed rob i don't see it so so eastern washington has played four games against high major or high major-ish competition yeah. this year. They lost by three against Washington State. They lost by three to Arizona. They lost by five to St. Mary's, and they lost by 17 to Oregon. So three of their four games against high major competition was basically a one-possession game. Um, They're older. Kansas- They're older. They're an old yeah. team. I don't know. They can shoot it. I'll take Eastern Washington the points there. Yep, same. Um, all right, Oregon against VCU. Oregon's laying five and a half. Again, this is another one we talked about the other day. Uh, I like VCU. What do you like here? Hasn't that what, – what did that start at? Started at six. Now it's at five and a half. Yeah. You know, I like Oregon to win, but I think I like VCU to cover. I, I think it's going to be a close game. I don't see either team pulling away from each other. Um, you know, good matchup. Duarte, really two really good players in this in this game, Duarte and Bones Highland, um, and they may guard each other. 
Uh, so I, I think this game is going to be one of the better games of the first round. I'll take the points. Yeah, I, I like the points here too. It's just, you know, I, I think that um, Oregon has a significantly higher chance of advancing to yeah. like the, the, the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight than uh, yep. the VCU. Teams. But at the end of the day, I think these are two really similar teams. And laying five and a half is just, uh, I think that's too many points in a game that I, I do probably end up being close in one possession. Um, so yep. I would be on VCU in this spot as well. All right. Last game that we have is going to end up being uh, Iowa minus 14 and a half against Grand Canyon. I've seen a lot of people on Grand Canyon so far, Jeff. Are you on Grand Canyon too? Well, because they got size, right? They got Alessandra Lever and, and Asborn Midgard, uh, two big boys that can bang with Luca Garza. Like Luca um, – it's going to have his hands full a little bit, to be honest. But the difference in this team is going to be on the perimeter. And, and again, we forget it's not just Luca Garza on, on Iowa. They have a lot of really good players. Wieskamp looked healthy. Bahannon looks better. So I, I'm going to take Iowa here to run away from Greg Canyon. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I agree with you. Um, I feel like the reason people are on Grand Canyon is because they expect that Midgard would be able to slow down uh, Garza and look, we know the secret to beating Iowa, right? You got to have a big guy that can slow him down so you don't have to double team. So, um, I, I get that to a point, but uh, the problem is, um, I don't know how they're going to guard at the four spot because they play two guys that are 6'10, 6'11. And Joe Wieskamp, a lot of times, is playing at the four, maybe Connor McCaffrey, and those guys can beat a 6'10 guy. So, I like Iowa there. Boom. Time's up. All we did right. it, we so did we're it. Gonna, we're going to do that again tomorrow. Um, for tomorrow, we got games. We got first four games. You know where I'm headed tomorrow? Right after we finish this this podcast tomorrow. Where are you headed? Mackey Arena, baby. Mackey Arena. I don't even know how how far is it. An hour? I have no idea. I think it's about an hour. I'm gonna check right now. Mackey Arena. So after after uh, I finish this, yeah, it's about an hour and fifteen minutes. I'll go to Purdue. The house that Robbie Hummel built, and uh, you think—is there a statue out there of, of Hummel? Do you think? Yeah, but it's going to have to have him on crutches with a big ass knee brace on, jumping like like trying to that nineteen inch vertical. A statue yeah. with a nineteen inch vertical, taking it, taking a set shot, trying to slap <laughs> the back. <of> it. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, listen. We will see everybody tomorrow. We'll do it again. We'll do the last two uh, regions. And uh, 